You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey everyone, welcome to 2020. Uh, my name is Corey Peza. I'm here with my good friends Siobhan Cronin. Hi. And Benny Goodman. Shalom. Shalom. Today we got a treat for you. We have a very jazzy podcast. Can you see the jazz hands that I'm making? We're all you, putting up jazz hands right now. Oh wait, is this, the part, is this the part of the podcast where they can't see us? They can use yeah. their imaginations. That's why I don't have my makeup on right now. It was very strategic. <laughs> I no, you should, no, today. no. Let's paint a picture. Siobhan is like wearing a bikini. She's standing <laughs> in like Miami, and she's making giant jazz hands. <laughs> All right. So this week we have a very special guest, mostly because he's one of my dear friends from Miami. Um, known him for a while now. There's deer great, in Miami. De- yeah, it's rare, which is why I have very few friends in Miami because it's hard to meet people I actually like all the time. Uh, Rodolfo Zuniga, who is also engaged to my best friend, Caroline. So Caroline, if you're listening, we're going to talk to Rodolfo. (laughs) But Rodolfo is a friend of mine and um, an incredible jazz musician, but not just jazz. He's like a lot of the people we talk to, very versatile. He's studied kind of all the different styles of music. No, he's got he he has an amazing story because he he definitely lives it. Well, he's Puerto Rican. What are you talking about? He's from Costa Rica. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you guys no, have to listen not... to get below the water with him exactly. like, you wouldn't so know without... i'm not like, listen to the episode he'll tell you right so without giving too much away you know just a really interesting story of a musician who really you know built his life and ended up in a, a giant touring act with a, a giant superstar so incredible musician my dear friend rodolfo zuniga Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of 2020. I'm Benny Goodman. This is Corey Peza somewhere. Yo. And then uh, we have uh, Siobhan Cronin. I say that haphazardly because uh, I don't know. I don't know what the point of that was, but uh, it's been a long morning for me. And before I introduce my guests, I just want to let you know I got 2020 by Verizon. I had to drive to three fucking Verizon stores to have them tell me three different things just to have them say, oh, we'll send you a phone. So... Um, how's your day been, Rodolfo Zaniga, the amazing drummer that has taken his time to talk to us here? I almost 2020 him because I was like, can I please talk to you later? Because Verizon sucks. Right. <laughs> right but right, he has right. better things to do than talk to us later. Exactly. So he actually has Now done. he has to deal with the annoyed, I just came back post Verizon, Benny Goodman. And I bet after watching his drumming, he probably thought he was thinking of the other Benny Goodman. And little does he know, there's no jazz in my body. Right, 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 right. I actually, I actually had heard about you from Siobhan before many times, and I always thought, Benny Goodman. Wow, that's a perfect name. 
I can only yeah. imagine what she was telling you. It must have been right. Great. Uh, we can't say that here. <laughs> right, right. He gets yeah. the unfiltered story of all yeah, of my exactly. experiences. So <laughs> they're they're always good things. You know, I don't have a mean bone always. in my body. Always good things. Yes. <laughs> so I I want to first off say thank you to Rodolfo, who is. A, uh, a drummer, and I'm looking at your, your webpage here, and it looks like you work with, like, freaking everybody. But I'm going to go with Julio Iglesias, who is, for those that don't know, in the United States, if you speak Spanish, this guy is tantamount to Michael Jackson. Am I correct? That he's, like, yeah. a, a phenomenon? Because everything I've ever seen, so when I, when I think of Michael Jackson in, like, the 90s, it's, like, crying people in Russia, like, oh, my God! I watch Julio Iglesias' videos. And it's the same. <laughs> Very Except similar. With Spanish women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. men. Yeah. Well, you know, Julio um, is kind of like you know Spanish Frank Sinatra, kind of kind of more in that vein. Um, he's been in the business for fifty years. We've been so I've been with him about five or six years now, and I guess the last last year was his fiftieth year tour. So, wow. So, yeah, he's been in the business and he certainly doesn't need to be out touring. So, he obviously is um, and was made for this. He's dedicated his life to this. So, I I don't think he can can stop, even though he he certainly, like, you know, could have a long time ago. So, yeah, he's still still out there. I mean, we had a tour planned this year, of course, but... It's a lot of cancellations, yeah. Unfortunately. He, he makes me think about Rod Stewart because I, w- I played with Rod Stewart back in the day and I just remember being like, how is you this did? guy still... Well, this was a while ago, but... Um, Rodolfo, every time I talk to Siobhan, she's like, I used to be in Zeppelin. <laughs> By the way, I also, I also like, ghost wrote a book with Edgar Allan Poe. Right, like, exactly. I figured out nuclear physics on my last weekend I had that Brock was gone. Oh my gosh. So like, why I, wouldn't you have played with Rod Stewart? I promise him. No, but that when I think of Julio, I think of Rod Stewart because I remember when I played with him for the first time, I'm looking, I'm like, oh my God, this guy is still like so athletic and running around and he's got all these like hot chicks on saxophones like with the short skirts and I'm like, well, what should I wear? And the answer was less is more. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, I'm right. happy for all those guys out there killing it, still owning the stage. Yes, music keeps yeah. you young. It yeah, does. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I'm just curious because I, I want to make a leap here because I'm re- I was reading about you because, again, you know, it's one of those things where I, I want to know who I'm talking to, and I'm on, I'm on your webpage, and it's like, listen to Iron Maiden and Soundgarden, and then I'm like. He plays with Julio, and then I go watch all your drumming. You're playing traditional and like wicked awesome, like Gene Krupa, like old school, big band kind of. I mean, for my again, understand, I'm not a good musician, so this is just an idiot <laughs> interpreting your drumming. I've heard I'm otherwise. Like, like, yeah, whatever. It's <laughs> See, locked. I told you, but, I tell you good things. But how about do you go you. from Iron Maiden to Julio Iglesias, and then more importantly, what's your favorite Iron Maiden song? Good question. Well. I'll start with the number of the beast first. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm uh, just Bruce. To go, just to go with the classics. Um, I've also forgotten a lot of the names of the songs, to be honest. But um, they're all the same. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, I mean, I'm from Costa Rica, so I think that in uh, Central America, growing up in the '90s, rock and grunge and, and that that movement was was. You know, all of us, all my friends. I mean, that was huge. I was not a in. I was I was not playing music at the time, but but I was a huge fan. And uh, 
yeah i guess i started with with iron maiden black sabbath that 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 movement and then kind of shifted into the into metallica and more grunge era. you say yeah. you weren't playing music at the time uh was was that type of music did that get you into it or was that something that came later no definitely that was that was the beginning for me like um so yeah those bands are, are are huge i mean and i think as a drummer it's important to start with rock that's the foundation no matter where you're gonna why, go why can you explain that because again silly guitarist why why would a drummer start with rock as opposed to something else at least to me probably some people disagree but i've had a now that i teach a lot of jazz majors and i've noticed that the students that started with like in jazz band and in, in high school and translated into into college but never really played like the basics of the instrument you know the snare the hi-hat and the bass drum and really kind of found uh the love of playing those three the 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 basics like as as the as it should be played in in the rock setting um i found that they have like a harder time with versatility i mean they they're they're good already in a lot of more advanced things like quote unquote but but i i think that the basis the basics of the instrument are those you know it's like it's, it would be like playing electric bass and 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 start learning just playing walking bass lines like what well, an upright it's funny you say would that. be doing when yeah. i was in jazz band one time my jazz teacher wheeled in <laughs> a porno because he said none of us were playing with balls. I went to an all-guy school, by the way, so we can just say and this that. This person is uh, not in yeah. prison. <laughs> no, he's not in prison. But he said, he said, he said, he said, groove to this. And I gotta tell you, our drummer stepped it up. I do believe that's a felony, but that's <laughs> yeah. if, it, if it worked, then you're you know, dropping all you sorts of take, bombs on this show. Yeah, that's that's fine. Gotta, well, I'll tell you this, but that's but it's true because you want to know what I, I have. A, I, I play with a jazz guitar player that teaches at Berkeley School of Music, and I've introduced him to this thing called a distortion box. He's like, oh exactly. my god, this almost sounds like, like David Gilmore or something, like a like a guitar player I'd listen to, and he's like, uh, yeah, you know. So it's very interesting to see people that come from a different school. But the thing I think I got from the rock side of it and from the porno was you should play with some balls. You should play with some muchismo and some bravado because when you do that, when again, and you watch even some of these some of the greatest jazz drummers, you know what I mean? Like they yeah. played. Yeah. With some balls. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 absolutely. and they also had that gravitas. Like, I mean, listen to you know, Buddy Rich talk. He'll tell you he was the best. Oh, of course. Do you think it has anything to do with, like, the theatrics of rock music and the big hits and the, and the very exaggerated backbeats? Is that, like, kind of something that maybe if you start from that purely jazz standpoint where you're very technical and very by the book, maybe you might think that's almost outside the lines? Yeah, that that has a lot to do with it, and I think that that shows you how to hit the instrument, how to get the sound mm. out of the instrument. They're like completely different worlds. Yeah, to just play a to just play a backbeat and get a good sound out of the snare and the bass drum. Just that is an art form unto its own, and you got to learn how to do that. So I think that you're not exposed to that if you're like if you start by learning how to how to swing. And how to and how to play in a big band and, and, and those sort of things. I mean, I, and I and don't get me wrong. I mean, I I sometimes play more jazz than rock, and I and I and I love it. I mean, I I moved to the U.S. to to study jazz, but 
I, but I do think that there's a lot of value to learning sound on the drums first. And I think that what you're describing, Corey, is, is, is a great way to learn it. And I think it's better to start there and then to evolve to other nuances, at least the way I look at it. Let's go back to you then, Rodolfo, because what I do love about you and what I tell everyone whenever I'm telling them about you is that you're like amazing and also super versatile. And I think that's so, you know, incredible to see you in all these different settings. And I'm curious if you could tell some of the listeners going back to how you got into drums and what were some of the foundations of your training? What made you want to move to the U.S.? Like maybe take everyone through the progression of beginning to now. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I... Yeah, Don't that's encourage some, her. Yeah. <laughs> Elaborate on it. No. Um, Go no. on. Tell me more about me, Siobhan. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Don't let me stop you. No, um, I, I for sure um, started, well, I'm from Costa Rica, San Jose, Costa Rica, and I, yeah, I grew up in the city, and most of my friends were musicians, even though I, I, I was doing sports and, and things like that growing up, and I never thought I was going to, be doing music mostly because I just you know didn't think that I was going to be good at, at playing an instrument I don't know I, <laughs> I, I, I just never had it in my mind so I played baseball and, and soccer and I thought I was going to be a baseball player and, and then I played believe it or not I pool. thought that was mostly Dominican people yeah Costa Rica is not big yeah yeah. I only said that because I'm big poppy. I'm, I'm, I'm not actually saying that. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. We have like a bunch of people from Costa Rica. Like, we play badass baseball, asshole. Yeah. No, it's not true. Maybe in Cuba, well, yeah, enough. for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but I, was, I was into it. And, and, uh, but because I had mostly musician friends, eventually that translated into, oh, well, I, I should start trying an instrument just for fun. And my friends had played since they were six years old um, and one of them you know moved to the states with me to 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 go to school and everything so they influenced me a lot and I ended up you know once I started playing drums which I always did love the drums growing up with rock music so um, once I started playing I just got super obsessed so let me ask you, when you when you were growing up and, and and you started playing drums and you realized baseball cool drums maybe this is it what band did you fantasize playing in? Like, because again, I'm seeing on here, like Soundgarden, like were you on stage playing Jesus Christ pose in your head instead of Matt Cameron? Or like, yes. who, where were you? <laughs> Absolutely. Matt Cameron's still one of my top rock drummers ever. I still watch videos on him, on him and I'm amazed. I was just watching videos with him yesterday because actually um, we just interviewed David Abraziz. And, oh, nice! And I went and watched this Another video. Another great drummer. Why, yeah. why all the Pearl Jam drummers were good or not good, and then we went to Matt Cameron, and I love David, and he's a really good friend. Yeah. But like, he kind of brushed over them. But I'm like, the one guy I actually really, really of all of them. Well, besides Matt Chamberlain, who just plays with everybody, Matt Cameron. I, I, when I saw Soundgarden, and I and I heard Jesus Christ pose live, I was just like, who the? It was the first time, and I've listened to Soundgarden for years, but it was the first time I was like. Who the hell is that drummer? Yeah, he's incredible. I think he he's probably, I mean, top five alive rock drummers for me. And he's super, like, he's like a, you know, the epitome of what I like, which is like musical and very, very simple rock mm. drummer. There's nothing, there's no, there's nothing there that's, that's too fancy or anything. He is all about the music. 
but his sound is his sound is is incredible and he's like siobhan was saying he's super versatile because i've you know he he he's a little more um on the nuance side than most of the drummers i think that are are in that were in that scene at the time and in, in the grunge days and he was in the early early grunge days with Oh, he was in yeah, Temple. The, for people that don't know, Soundgarden, Temple of the Dog. He's now right. permanently the drummer of Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam, per- yeah. Currently, but you yeah. know, he did the whole Temple of the Dog thing. One of my friends was just compl- Paul Lorenzo was complaining <laughs> that he went to Lollapalooza, and when, when Paul talks, it's always like thirty years ago, like '93. He was like, "All the guys from Temple of the Dog were there. Why couldn't they just walked on stage and played? That was the best record." And to be honest with you. Uh, Pushing Forward Back is also one of my favorite Matt Cameron songs. In fact, we should just make this whole show about 2020 Matt Cameron. Rodolfo. <laughs> and instead, yeah. we just, let's just talk about Soundgarden. Yeah, I know. They play it 7-8 so well. It's wicked cool. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, well, it was Soundgarden, definitely Matt Cameron, but my all-time, all-time favorite band is Living Color. And uh, nice. Will, Will Calhoun, I think. Probably my my top rock drummer. Our manager in, actually in directed. Well, no, I think he did. He say he edited the living uh, cult of personality video. Oh wow! Oh. Yeah. So Siobhan, if you ask Siobhan, she has connections to living cult. <laughs> I never know who I have connections to. That's what I rely on you for. You're a girl. You have connections to everybody. It's called the internet. <laughs> Just slip into a DM. <laughs> All right. Like, so dear going Mr. back. Gates, Oh my God. So Rodolfo, okay. So at what age were you when you picked up drums for the first time? Because I I think a lot of people are interested to hear like the different paths that people on. Cause I think there's a a general understanding that you have to start super young with everything like four years old or else you're not going to be successful. And I think that's not true. So maybe you could tell a little bit about when you started and what happened from there. Yeah. I mean, I started late and that's probably the reason why I always thought, Oh, I'm never going to do music. I, yeah, I started, when I was like 16, almost 17. Wow. Um, Late bloomer. Yeah. So, and I moved to the U.S. when I was 20. So it was pretty quick that, and and I was pretty obsessed with it. So it's depressing to people like me who've been practicing all my life and I'm still nowhere near as good as you. (laughs) That's not, I don't think that's. (laughs) I've seen your, I've seen your videos. You're extremely impressive. Thank you so much. But I think you're right. I think that, you just, you just, you should do what you, what you want to do in life, and you should at least give it a shot. And I approached it from the point of view of like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This has been a sudden thing. I'm gonna move to the US. I'm gonna try it, and everything is a win because I thought, yeah, if I'm expecting this to fail, and, <laughs> and setting the bar the, low is always very yeah. helpful. Yeah. So, so, so it so didn't. You went from you know playing baseball in high school to probably playing baseball stadiums in Spain. What's that feel like? Yeah, that's another, that, that's been another really, really nice surprise. Um, just to have had that experience. I mean, I'm hoping it'll continue a few more years, but I'm happy that it, that it happened, that I've been doing it for like five years. And I mean, these, I think these, these gigs that touring scene back that existed back in Julio's time, I think that's definitely slowing down a lot from the people I've met on the road. It's that, that huge stadium thing and like the 150 dates a year in big, in big halls and just being able to finance that sort of thing. And just the world has changed a lot. That's the way it used to be, for sure, for a long time. 
but um, I, I think that it's slowing down a lot. I mean, the venues I are blame smaller. Netflix. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why would I want to go yeah. see you when I can just watch the documentary on Julio? Well, I think yeah. people also just want to be closer to the artists. Like when we went to Japan and we were opening for Hyde, and you know, he's someone that also plays in Japan, like huge arenas or stadiums or whatever. And he instead decided to do a, a long run of shows where it's like, 12 dates in a 4,000 cap venue or 3,000 cap so that people can get closer to the front. So he could have easily just done one show for 50,000 people, but instead he did a series of shows so that people could get a little closer and have more of that interaction. Corey and I did a series of yep. shows once where we had like five shows and between them, I think we had 50 people, maybe <laughs> yeah. 55. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that was after drink tickets, by the way. So. <laughs> Those are people that wandered in off the street. Um, so, Rodolfo, like, what was the the bridge between that moving to the U.S. and playing those those giant venues and and, and kind of getting into the professional realm? Like, what where would you start? Uh, I know you don't usually go from sixteen year old learning drums to playing stadiums. So, what was the path there? Yeah, well, no, I I went to school. I yep. I moved here because there was a lucky i was lucky to, to be part of this tuition exemption program between costa rica and like state universities in florida so it was really cheap so i didn't read so because you were from costa rica they hooked you up yeah there's this this, awesome. this 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 linkage that still exists today which is the the main the the, the reason i came oh, to but, miami but, you know but I, I love this though because people you know they, there's so many people that complain about like foreigners coming into our country you know, and i'm not political but like you got help to come to the United States to go to school. I read on your page that you have a master's degree, which Siobhan's like, I got two. Actually, oh I think you have two, don't you? Uh, but and at 16, you start drums and now you're doing better at drumming than 99.9999% of drummers. Like, so like I could be in the United States born here and try as hard as I can. And the most I could do is maybe get 300 people to Jared's place on a Thursday night. <laughs> and you're like, eh, I'll come to the United States, get a master's degree, and then I'll just go tour with the biggest guy ever that spoke Spanish. Ever. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's obviously a path in between, you know, start to finish. So I think that's Is what there? we're interested in. Yes, because I think Is that, that the that one where George Carlin shows up and says, get into the telephone booth. And then they go there and find Beethoven with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Rodolfo, maybe talk about what you, so you got, you know, you know, you got to Miami and you went to school and, you know, maybe talk about how you got, yeah, like what Corey was asking into the professional world and that transition, because I think there are a lot more steps than people think. A lot of people might think, oh yeah, I'll just get my credentials and then I'm going to get a great gig. And there are a lot of small yeah. things that go into it along the way that, that can change your path, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's a way to do it. I think the more you plan to do things a certain way to get a certain gig it just at least for me that hasn't worked yeah. that way so i just yeah. went to, i just went to school and most of my connections still to this day and people that i've that i've toured with or i've recorded with or that hooked me up with opportunities have come from school from the people i went to school with and Networking. Um, yeah, yeah yeah and just i mean i always i mean i did a bachelor's and a master's and i was always really motivated because it was a hard thing to move from my country to here. So I was like trying to make the most out of every opportunity, and especially play. I mean, I always said, and I know that Siobhan does this, can can uh, can connect with this because I know she does this too. Just like she sees the opportunity in, in playing as much as possible and loves playing. And, and that was what I did too. I just said yes to every gig I could 
And uh, I'm just now starting to learn to, well, maybe I shouldn't say yes to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds but, like a high-class uh, problem. <laughs> right, right. I, I am lucky that, it's just, that it's I can just do like that. It's just like when I got caller ID the first time. I'm like, nah. <laughs> there is, it's funny, I, I think there is, like, there's a lot of merit to the say yes to everything. And I think that that gets, like, a lot of people I talk to that are successful, that gets them almost like 90% of the way through their career. And then there comes that Check time. Check out Corey where you, at his shows, five and seven, CoreyPaysIt.com. Five and seven shows, CoreyPaysIt.com. Okay. Um, <laughs> you said yes. I, okay, I'm lost now. Uh, and then it, there does come a point where that almost comes becomes detrimental because you're taking on so much that your work either suffers or you're missing out on opportunities because you're too overbooked. Uh, was there so you're saying just now you're kind of getting to the point where you're able to get out of that mindset and maybe be more selective over what you take and what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. And I still have a hard time just because I, I'm still stuck in that mode of like, now nah, maybe I should just try to do this. Try to do this. I'll la I landed the, you know, I know Siobhan does this all the time. Yeah. I landed at noon and uh, I could play, do a session at three and then there's a gig I can make at nine, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm miserable through the whole thing, you know, and stressed out yeah. and then I feel good, ah, oh, I made it work. But I mean, in reality, it's, it's, it's probably better to, at some point to start um, being more productive in a yeah, different put way. put value on your mental health too. <laughs> And that. Yeah. So let me of ask course. you this: What's what's the craziest thing that you ever turned down? Like someone called you up to do something, and you're just like, I, I don't feel like this is my vibe. Well, I did turn down Julio once or twice before I actually was was and in the, was back. in the tour. Yeah. Wow. Did, okay, you have to explain this. How did this yeah. even happen? And first off, how do you turn down that guy? Like <laughs> I I I got asked to I think play one time with like the third bass player for like uh, Vixen or something, and I was like, uh, okay. Wait, before <laughs> like you're, no, go ahead, go ahead, finish your story. But but, but I'm just curious. Like how, Jason Costa from um, All That Remains had said that Phil, um, the lead singer, had waited like a year for him. Nobody waits for me. So, and then and then Julio calls you, and if, if if you said no to me, I'd just be like, all right, Paul, what are you doing? He waited around. Like how did how did this happen? And how do you say no to that? Yeah, I mean, definitely Julio himself doesn't wait for anybody. <laughs> so um, I, I, I got called, I got recommended on the gig with, from a friend named Clay Perry, who's a, who's a keyboard player in the band. He's been with him for about 12 years. And him and I met playing gigs in Miami, jazz gigs, and I became really good friends. And he called me for it a couple of times back years ago, maybe like eight years ago. Like, would you be, at that time, they were working a lot, a lot. So it would have meant, being out of town six months making at, so much and, money playing stadiums <laughs> sounds terrifying yeah i also i also was a little terrified of it at, at that time and i had never done something like that so i was like yeah. well that means i gotta stop my life <laughs> and i'm i'm a little terrified of this and i have to answer like within 24 hours usually because that's the way it works yeah yeah yep so, so then when did you say yes? Said no. <laughs> but when did you finally say yes, I'm going to do that? If, 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 if your friend, was it your keyboard friend called you one time and you were just like, no, nah, I'll do it this time? Yeah, I, I think he, he, it was the third time in like probably like four years that he tried. His, so he just sent me a text and he was like, I know what you're going to say. And I know you have some teaching gigs and, and you're busy, but how would you feel about dropping everything and... <laughs> we need like an emergency replacement, even if it's temporary. They were in the middle of a tour at that time. 
and they had had some problems with the drummer that had just started and uh, and they and julio just wanted somebody else there quick and at, at that time like i was going through some changes in my life like new things and i just i just said man i'm just, whatever i feel more confident now i'll give it i'll give it a shot it ended up happening that julio decided to cancel the next few months so i was going to go out there with no rehearsal or knowledge of the music <laughs> and it ended up being i went out there like three months after with no rehearsal but a lot of knowledge of the music yeah, yeah so i remember funny, when so, you were preparing yeah. for that yeah there's, there's a lot of parallels uh to some of the other guests that we've, we've talked to about mm -hmm. just getting that call like hey uh be ready are you, are you ready like can you do this like that story pops up over and over again and it, it's something that i think it it probably just permeates through life in general is uh being ready for those opportunities and how that can even if you didn't necessarily want it it's right, like right. It's, it's a path that you hop down that is that is seemed to do pretty well for yourself so that's that's very cool to hear yeah no i'm very grateful another thing too though that, that i think just came up now that's interesting is that i think a lot of people think that you know your life is just open and you're waiting for this gig and it comes at the right time and a lot of times timing is an issue and it really takes a lot of thought and stress to decide to take a risk on something because you know in our world nothing is guaranteed even if you get a really big gig you're you're like a contract worker in a lot of ways you know oh, yeah. so you could take a risk give up a a teaching job or something that seems secure you know and go off and then come back and say okay well i just sacrificed all this stuff and it didn't work out so you know that's another part of it too is is knowing when to take that leap and like when you feel secure enough and you know your life or the, the willingness to allow changes to happen without that guarantee yeah. you know Oh yeah, totally. For me, it was like that because I was, yeah, pretty happy doing what I was doing, playing mm -hmm. a bunch of jazz, which is what I wanted to do, and and I, I'm I had uh, some teaching gigs at university, which I still grateful to have. But it was going to be a big deal to find a substitute or come up with with a plan for them to let me do this and all that. So I did definitely did have a lot of stuff that I enjoyed doing, that I would that I had to like quickly decide. Okay, maybe. If this goes well, maybe I'm going to have to stop all this other stuff. But yeah, it, it all worked. It all worked out. I was lucky that. that yeah. Well, yeah, it, it that, that was great that it did work out, because this reminds me of a story with Starset that when I first got asked to play, they were actually talking to a cellist that they were asking to be the cellist in the band. And he did was ask her what type of cello she played. <laughs> no, well, it was a guy, first of all. But um, no, but he was <laughs> like he, he basically had the open offer to take the gig and he was up against the same thing. Like, oh, do I want to cancel all these orchestra concerts? And, you know, do I want to go away for this long? And I think he was also finishing his master's at the time or something degree program so it involved having to work out a lot of things and you know ultimately he decided like oh no you know I, I really don't want to take this risk right now but like I'm totally in to do your next tour but then of course in the meantime they had to find someone else you know and they found uh Jonathan who was the cellist that was in star set when I first joined and uh, you know he was a great fit at the time until you know he eventually retired from his position but yeah so this this original guy when the next tour came around it was kind of too late for him at that point and the choice wasn't his anymore, which is, you know, yeah. things like that do happen also. So there is a balance of, you know, knowing when you have the opportunity to say no or when you need to say yes, if that's really what you want to do. So I'm really curious. Um, so again, I'm seeing Led Zeppelin here, like, you know, Bonham, and we got Matt Cameron, and we got Nico McBrain from Iron Maiden. And now you're like straight up jazz. And I love it. I mean, I went and watched it. But going and reading your interview, I wouldn't have ever thought 
this guy's rocking out to Number of the Beast. What made you go from, you know, growing up in Costa Rica listening to Soundgarden and Nirvana or whatever to being like, jazz is my thing? Because I, I you know, I'm a rock guy, true and true, but... When I went and played jazz in the jazz band, even having the name Benny Goodman, I felt very <laughs> displaced. I'm like, what do you mean there's a 13 after the chord? It's getting bar mitzvahed? And like, like, nah, dude, I don't even know what this means. I can barely, I just know the G. And there's yeah. a, is there sharp or a flat? It's funny, you, yeah. you read my mind. Uh, I was literally going to ask the same question because I think I have a very similar story to Ben. I'm, I'm, grew up rock metal and I did jazz band in high school and I think jazz band in high school turned me off from the genre because I was playing with a bunch of idiots that couldn't tune their freaking trumpets oh. um, right. <laughs> so right. what what is it about jazz uh, that 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 drew you in that direction well maybe because I I had no high school jazz band experience <laughs> <laughs> that must be it <laughs> yeah. no, um, no one brought in a porno well and said yeah. play better oh my god yeah. <laughs> Um, is that really no, a felony? I'm sorry. I didn't realize. It that wasn't guy, back a, then. He was a it great wasn't. jazz yeah. teacher, by the way. It Just is in 2020. It he is, was yeah. amazing. In 2020, he'd be in jail, but you know, back yeah. then. Right, back, back in then. the day. It was he used like to always say, Benny, don't listen to Van Halen before you come to practice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, my, my same friends that got me into rock, they were like taking lessons and they were like, man, jazz. I've just started learning some jazz voicings and some chords, guitar players and man this is so great they started turning me on to, to jazz records and i remember i and they told me oh and the ultimate for drummers is if you learn to play jazz that's what i used to really get, get from them yeah like so and you know a lot so of basically the guys you can like, follow people that have no idea what they're doing making up completely random compositions but yet you can make it seem deliberate <laughs> God. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty well, much. Isn't that what jazz is? Kind of <laughs> is. Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, you watch some of this stuff and like, look, I, I, I know that I just, I, I make it sound demeaning, but like, there's a lot of these super savant level players that are doing completely random haphazard stuff that you go, how the hell does the drummer and bass player follow them? And I still yeah. don't know. I don't even know. Like you could play 25 minute jazz piece and I can't tell you one key they played it. Right, right, right. Like what's yeah. the root note? <laughs> I know it's it, it's very complex because of the combination of the improvisation and the and the established part that's already there. So there's, I mean, obviously there's free improvisation as well that to me is even more challenging. I just did a an album recently of all no preconceived anything just. We just went into the studio and played for three hours. Wow. Nothing. Just saxophone, bass, well, that, and drums. But that boasts a philosophical question. Do you believe yeah. in destiny? Are things predetermined? Because that really <laughs> takes out all of the bullshit as far as freestyle or whatever, because really you, you had to play those notes. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was the first time I did an album like that. So I just, it was, it's just free. So, so. So it was fun though? Yeah, super fun, and I and I'm really excited about this music more than I've been in a long time. You want to plug the music? What? Where can we hear this? Like, yeah, stop it's, talking it's, about. It. I want to hear. Just, it. <laughs> we just finished mastering, so I don't actually have it. That that I uh, maybe maybe I could play. Well, a don't track worry, to, like this but, won't be out for another seven months, so yeah, Corey will probably have a link at the bottom. The name of the pro or where people could find it when it's out. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh it's with uh, friends of mine that I that I used to play with a lot. They both live in New York now. This saxophonist called Eddie Pass was was an amazing player. Has a even crazier story than I than I do because he played always clarinet, classical clarinet, and basically 
moved to Miami from Cuba and his teacher told him like we need saxophonists tenor saxophonists in the jazz program but he, this is already in college he's never played jazz before wow. and he just is the one of the baddest tenor saxophonists I've ever heard in my life playing jazz that's what, kind of what happened with Corey I said there's too many guitar players in our band but if you want to play bass <laughs> like we could totally we could totally play with us Jeez. you see it happens yeah less strength uh, it's easier yeah, and another friend of mine from Costa Rica named Kenneth oh, yeah. and they and they both play exclusively free stuff in New York since they moved out there. So and um yeah, so I just just basically yeah, trying and and then and there's a whole scene for that. So they they're involved in that scene. There's a vocabulary there, but it's but it's also completely wide open and the challenge is to make music out of that. I got to tell you what you said about the drums as far as jazz being the ultimate. I, I've, you know, I've been taking guitar lessons um, because I'm not very good. And um, I've been, the stuff that's been resonating the most with me is, is jazz because it's so out of my realm that when I'm playing 13th chords or half uh, diminished chords or whatever, and these weird voicings, I'm, I feel like I'm a superhero. I feel like if I saw someone else playing it, I'd be like, how do you do that? So like for me, the coolest part has been discovering these strange voicings and how, um, you know, with bass motion, all that, that it sounds cool playing all these strange, weird chords because I only knew like Nirvana, Nevermind, and that was about it. So to learn how to play again, a 13th chord or add nine, or like, this is the four types of seventh chords. Wait, there's a there's a minor seventh versus a major seventh versus a natural. What does this even mean? But then you hear it and you're like, oh, it finally makes sense because it's not an Iron Maiden. You don't go, that was a minor seventh. <laughs> right, right. Dave well, Murray's exactly. genius. And, and aside from the harmonic, you know, depth, there's also rhythmic and just I feel like jazz is the ultimate test of focus and practice because like I've seen yeah. that so many times I've gone to Rodolfo's gigs in Miami and it's just like everything's done from memory for the most part. You have so Are you many like bars. Robocop going G <laughs> F that all of the added that no. this works. This is non-diatonic. This is diatonic. No, but what impresses me the most is like, it's okay. Some, someone's going to play a solo and it's so many bars, but then the meter might change. And like, we make this joke all the time. Like I got lost in the form yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. because it's like, I watch that and I'm like, Oh my God, you, you're off for like a second and suddenly you're in a, a different spot and you have to improvise. But then it's also unclear what the meter is because the improvisation, is so free within the structure that I, I I can agree. I feel like it is the ultimate. Well, that brings test. up a good question. I have to ask you, Rodolfo. Um, it, so Eddie Van Halen explains, or people explain Van Halen style that a lot of the times he has weird groupings of notes. So he might play seven instead of eight, but then five. When you're doing all these weird time signature changes and all that, do you ever like get messed up and you're like a beat behind, but you're like, I'll just play the next one in seven and catch back up and like they'll figure it out. And they're like, it was a polyrhythm. <laughs> <laughs> there's that for sure. I mean, there's. there's our listeners uh, are all like, click. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, jazz, uh, polyrhythms. Hey. Like, <laughs> we're, very, we're a very highbrow podcast and we're just educating. I know everybody. what happened to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can still erase this. It's fine. By the way, we're, um, we're brought to you, just so you know, our sponsor. Yeah. Not jazz. Close, yes, not though. Close. Yeah. LostSymphony.com. So, I don't know if we told Rodolfo, but we actually did this podcast so we could sell metal music. <laughs> I figured there was a catch. Yeah. <laughs> of course, you needed me for that. I, I know. Well, because uh, we know that jazz is the ultimate, so all of the metal drummers can go back and watch you and go... 
Oh my god. And I actually, I will tell you, I encourage you to go watch Jason Costa, who we just talked to, who plays in All That Remains, but he plays traditional grip. So he plays a very oh, wow. jazz style of drumming, but at 300 BPM blast beats. So <laughs> you might appreciate that. It Absolutely. is. That's really hard to do. And I'll yeah. tell you, you want to know how you, how you can do that? Rent a room that floods itself, create a <laughs> hyperclimate, yeah. play in 130 degrees, and then turn the BPM up 15 <laughs> to 20 bpm Thousand. faster yes. yeah and then and then if if you you can do that then maybe you can do it for real right. with your band yeah <laughs> oh my oh, that's gosh that's amazing yeah that's incredible yeah no th this is um, this is fascinating though i think i think even though maybe uh it's not as accessible to everyone jazz is is kind of the one mysterious uh genre for me like i can even i can handle crazy prog rock and every different time signature and different inversions and all the i can do all the crazy chords but yeah jazz still is that enigma mm -hmm. off in the corner the the funny thing and and i was uh this re reminded me of something that benny was saying about the chord voicings and all these the 13 and the ninth and the six and all these things i mean some of the still most Wait a minute, i didn't say six there's a six chord oh my god <laughs> let him talk um all the all the most amazing guitar players that really you hear that that invented that those voicings on the guitar those guys were completely self-taught didn't read music did not you know did not know what they were playing or at least did not uh think of it in those terms like do you think vernon reed still knows what he's playing the guitar so in living color now because i don't know what he's playing well, he's a, a thousand times but he's a those guys were jazz guys those guys Vernon Reed and and Will Calhoun. Well, that's probably why they're awesome, right? Because yeah. they started with the ultimate, and then they lowered themselves down to rock. They were they were uh, all you know, they were versatile from the beginning. They went to Berkeley as well, and they met in the in the jazz program there. Um, but Wes Montgomery or Grant Green, I don't know if you know those guys. I so, do. Yeah, super groovy guitar players and amazing at, at the at the harmonic voicing material, but they're completely self-taught. So. All that stuff only, I mean, who cares if you know what it is, as long as it's mm. part of your playing, as long as it serves the music, serves the purpose of the music. And I think for them, that's, that's, that's how it started. And that's why it became harmonic theory or jazz harmonic theory. But they learned just from, from uh, the same sources that, you know, Siobhan learns, you know, from classical music. So, I mean, that harmony, those chords, all that was around for centuries before. So... I think nowadays there's a lot of we give the educational or academia part a lot of importance of, of how to learn and, and that kind of separates you from actually just just yeah. playing other styles I think well because, yeah I mean so you have rock people yeah. are kind of your blue collared like you know we just fix things and put stuff together whereas right. the rocket scientists <laughs> are playing jazz because right. they actually know how to make the chords work when you're playing in 7-8 and adding a 13th to it right but like Corey was saying he, he <laughs> plays the odd meters on the prog stuff and all. i mean it's really the same thing you're just like thinking of it a different way right yeah one of my favorite stories about odd meters if you go and watch the original terminator soundtrack i want to say it's in like 13 or 50 some something ridiculous and they had asked the original composer if he could you know chart it all out so they could 
you know, do a symphonic version. He goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. they said, how did you choose the time signature for it? And he goes, what do you mean? And it turns out that back in the 80s, he had a, a, a sample, like a drum, yeah, yeah, a remember, drum machine. Yeah. Yeah. And then they cut off like a half of a, a beat. And he just went with it and played right. it because he just made a loop. And now it's in like some great, I'll have to look it up, but some <laughs> yeah, ridiculous I, time signature. If you listen yeah. to it, it's like very unnerving. And, but Which that's is why it works so the, well. Yeah. But that's why it's so cool yeah. because... This guy messed up, but because he messed up, he made a really interesting theme to a very crazy movie. He made jazz. Um, he made jazz. Right. He messed up. You can't mess and up. It was music. It's just, it's oh just jazz. Well, that's what I'm saying. He messed up in rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. And then it turned into jazz. And then jazz. it turned into jazz. <laughs> it's like a butterfly. Caterpillar to butterfly. No, but that's the beautiful thing, though, is that not everything has to be preceded by some specific education or like path. You know, a lot of what you learn to do is, well, you know, doing it in practice, doing gigs playing the music and then yeah making mistakes and sometimes it turns out cool you know yeah that's yeah. what i've learned yeah not to not to say that you shouldn't like get educated about what you oh sure of learn, course yeah but, but it also is you know college college uh programs also i think uh it's easy it's easier to put people in categories mm -hmm. like the classical guys the jazz guys or etc the production guys Did, when in reality should be the, all, all the same. When you're doing these free-form jams, do you ever have like the bass player look at the drummer like he fucked up? Totally. I've gotten that <laughs> like, look many like, times. Dude, <laughs> we told you we could do whatever you want. Right. But not that. Yeah. <laughs> like I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Right, 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 right. What is that that you can't do in jazz that makes the bass player turn around in anger? Well, there's just like in any style, there's all kinds of, of people in every genre so even though jazz is improvised i definitely have played with a lot of guys that want you to read their minds mm -hmm. do they hijack you like yeah. do you get hijacked like sometimes you go on stage in front and then like the the bass player's like they're gonna follow me or this is gonna be a really bad time oh yeah man it's <laughs> the same as like any other thing Ugh. in life and there's so much personality the yeah who's the one? oh okay. yeah so yeah. in, in a jazz band, who's, who's, the, who's the person totally. that has the lead singer's disease? So if you, if you play instrumental jazz, is it the guitar player that has the attitude? Is it the trumpet player? Like, is it the sax player that are the assholes? Who are the assholes in jazz? I think all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all of them. Because <laughs> all of them. <laughs> that is amazing. That's, That's so funny. Thing. That's so all gonna make us. one of our moments that we're gonna all put on. Who are the assholes in jazz? All of us. No, yeah. but Rodolfo, I have to say you have the hardest job because so I'm I'm not a jazz trained musician, but Rodolfo has a band called Surfaces that, for which he wrote a, a bigger ensemble to include a string trio. So me and then uh, Caroline and then another cellist will play with his ensemble. And I am always relying on Rodolfo. Like no matter what the crazy meter <laughs> is, I know that there's some hit that he's going to do. That's going to like keep me on track and we're reading sheet music, right. you know? Right. So I, I feel like, does he have the drum faces that you follow? Yeah. Like, do you read his mind by going, he's about to do a parallel? Rodol no, Rodolfo's the most relaxed per looking person. Like whenever I see you playing at Laniap, there's a, a very cool like wine and jazz bar in, <laughs> in Miami. It's just like, no matter how crazy it is, all this stuff, whatever, he's just like chill. You know, very just like into it. So like, does that so take relaxed. practice? Does that take practice? Or did you used to have drummer faces? 
Because I know a lot of uh, a lot of drummers no. have to have to try to get rid of that. I had to get I had to get rid of my guitar faces growing up. Because, it's the bass players that have yeah. the faces. Every oh, yeah. jazz group, it's the bass well, just so players. You know, and before he answers, you know, Paul Lorenzo doesn't have any faces, and we yeah. we joked around with him one time. Corey and I were in a band. Paul's, with Paul. Paul's a drummer of Lost and, Symphony, and, and, by the and, way. Yeah, so yeah. Paul's a drummer oh, of okay, our yeah. band, cool. Lost Symphony. He's an insane drummer, and he'd always play the same kind of thing. He's like. And you're like, but we're playing, we're playing rock. Yeah. We're like, dude, can't you look mad about something? So what face do you want me to make? This is just my face. So like a year ago, I go and watch his video with his metal band. He's now put on a mask. And it just has like all kinds of stuff. He's like, I found my face. <laughs> but like, he, that's the funny part is that like Paul, he went from not, he never made faces to like, well, well, what do you want me to do? Yeah. Like, I, I just make the face when I play piano, like the, like I'm smelling cookies. Because that's just what it looks like, you know what I mean? Not like I, I'm actively thinking of smelling cookies. <laughs> well, oh, what was the? I forgot what the question. <laughs> I, I was, was just curious if if that's a, 20, a conscious 20. a conscious effort yeah. to maintain that that calm demeanor, or if if you ever found yourself oh, yeah. doing the, you know, that big hit on the crash symbol, you gotta get that drummer face going All over in. your head with a gong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, nowadays, I definitely am thinking a lot more about about keeping a better posture and technique for sure just because i've noticed on recordings where what are the weak sure what are the weak points and it's always like some bad physical movement well you have, I think, it's so important you say that because one of the things yeah. that a lot of the metal drummers we talked to that are technical talk about guys like a guy like gene holgan who used to wear um weights around his like um his ankles and stuff but now he walks with a cane because he's like debilitated himself by playing again blast beats at Jesus. god knows what speed but right, like he's right. destroyed his body you know you hear about neil pert could totally. barely play because he was in so much physical pain from not being properly trained in technique where you see a guy like matt chamberlain or a guy like you who play with such finesse and you're like he's not hurting himself when i play guitar like i have giant electric shocks that go up my arm if i even play a g chord <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I, I was uh, I think I'm doing the opposite now is I'm really trying to be more more relaxed and more and more steady in everything. Mm. And uh, I used to not care too much about it, like just think, well, whatever serves the music at that point or whatever is happening. But I have I, I mean, just on recordings, I just you just know, like from analyzing myself, well, what's creating this is why I don't feel comfortable doing this is. Mm. most easy to correct if i really focus on the physical yeah physical thing. i think even in classical music this is an issue yeah. because a lot of people don't think about let's say fitness or like posture like your physique as as affecting the music at all everyone thinks it's all you know intellectual but there's a huge part that's physical that contributes to yeah. your even your sound you know whether of course preserving your health in terms of you know being strong in the right places and not overworking things but yeah, I mean, the physical is hugely important in any instrument. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of my favorite guys, like Steve Vai, guys like that guitar players. I mean, those guys are like... The guy from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> he was on that, right? <laughs> we were joking around because we mentioned him, and I was like, oh, yeah, the guy from Bill and Ted. And, my, and our marketing guy, Jason, was like, he's, he's done other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Like play, like play with this guy. I don't know if you could. Oh, and he's only in Crossroads. Oh, yeah. oh, Frank, Zappa. Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa for president. Yeah. Okay, nice. so this brings up a, a very important question for me, for you. Vinny Caliuta, Terry Bozio, or Dunbar. Man, you really know the the 
Frank Zappa drummers, man. I commend you for that. I love the 69 albums that he yeah, made. I commend you for that. That's my, <laughs> and I think that's, I think Don't Eat the Yellow Snow is yeah. next to Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah, that's my that's my shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, well, Vinny Colaiuta is like my all-time favorite drummer, period. But, but okay, hold on. Versatility-wise. Does, does Terry Bozio like not that. get any credit for, for being the devil in titties and beer? Oh, man. Well, he's, he's amazing at everything, and he's as weird as can be. Well, okay, so, yeah. you're great. <laughs> I want to ask you this. Be. So Vinny Colaiuta plays perfectly. In my, I love Vinny because he sounds great. He played with Megadeth. And then yeah. he plays with Sting, and then he like, yeah. he like and all, and he's perfect with everything. Whereas Terry Bozio, I feel like, cannot be controlled in a band. He could be in Frank Zappa because it's Frank Zappa, but he yeah. cannot exist. Like Missing Persons is in a band. It's it's drums surrounded by other people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So totally. like, do you do you feel that way? Like, do you think Terry Bozio could play jazz? Oh yeah, he can do anything he wants, but he's beyond that, man. He's. Well, that's what I I'm mean, saying. He's beyond music, yeah, dude. He's just playing yeah. radio. Like when I when I saw yeah, totally. uh, him the first time. Just so everyone knows, for those that don't know Terry Bozio, for nerdy drummers that go Neil Peart's the best, someone goes Terry Bozio, man. And okay. when I saw him the first time, he did a drum clinic, and he explained how all of his symbols, his radial Sabian symbols, were all tuned to different stuff. So he plays like Bach progressions on his symbols, and I'm like. But why? <laughs> exactly. Why, That's why my question too. But yeah, he can do it. I mean, he's a he's just in, incredible. But he's also very eccentric, and that's why he was such an amazing fit for for Zappa, Well, that's why he was sure. great playing titties and beer. For those that don't know, because I'm sure Siobhan hasn't heard it. There's a great song about the devil arguing with somebody over titties and beer, trying to exchange their soul in exchange for titties and beer. And the devil in this case is the drummer Terry Bozio. Now, Terry Bozio is a very extremely serious, incredible, like, Olympic-level drummer. Like, anyone you could think of, he's still better. Yeah, and he's yeah. still sitting there the whole time going, hey, titties, beer! And that's what I love about Frank Zappa, is he made guys like Steve I and Terry Bozio yell out titties and beer. It's funny. And that's I, what I love I've about him. I've only heard of, I've heard of titties and beer, but it's a uh, a country song. I've never heard of this other one. I was well, going to say, this sounds like Devil Went Down to Georgia. Uh, yeah. Similar storyline. It's, story similar. it's Rod, similar. Rodney Carrington, it's, and it's like a joke. So I've, I've never heard of the other one. All right. First off, I'm going to send you all, all an email, not to hit. Obviously, he knows Frank Zappa. But I'm going to send you uh, a live version of titties and beer. I look forward and for to this. for all those... <laughs> they have not heard Frank Zappa. I will go on record as saying that I think he's the modern Beethoven of our time. Yes. And that anyone that goes, do you want to hear something on a different level? It's Frank Zappa. People go, the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, blah, blah. Yes, those are all the best bands as far as songs that normal human beings can understand. <laughs> but if you're like Siobhan good at violin and you go, the devil went down to Georgia is plateauing for me. You go to Frank Zappa. She agrees. <laughs> if I, you know what? Honestly, I avoided for the longest time learning that song because whenever I say I play violin, that's the first thing that like your average person will say is like, oh, do you know how to play Devil Went Down to Georgia? And the funny story about that is I resisted this for so long that I ended up on a freaking live radio broadcast on WJJO Radio in Madison, Wisconsin. And they were like, oh, can you play Devil Went Down to Georgia? And I was like, yeah, uh, well, I know what it sounds like, but like I haven't actually learned it. He's like, well, let's see what happens if you just try. And I like played, I like played the right 
great rhythm, but the totally wrong notes. And it sounded fine, but he's like, that was awesome, but that was not it. And I was like, so embarrassed. I'm like, shit, I got to learn this song. So I finally went and learned it because I had to play it for a gig and I like shared it with the Do you like it now? I mean, it's it's a catchy song, but you know, I think of violin as like classical violin. That's like fiddle, which is same thing, but different style. But it's just not a style that I've done a lot of you know, exploring. And we're so. going to add some fiddle to the next lost. You know, but record. by the way, I, I heard when I was talking to Itzcock Perlman the other day that um, <laughs> fiddle is actually <laughs> the jazz of classical. That's the ultimate. So if you can play violin first um, chair classical, that fiddle <laughs> is actually the next step. I'll plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Epstein. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, okay. I have to ask you with, with jazz, Rodolfo, so we have all these stories of rock and roll stars backstage, but when I've met some of the craziest people in my life, they play jazz. What's it like with these? Who's crazier? Because now we were talking about this earlier. Again, I'm going to go back to Jason Costa because he's a drinker. He loves partying backstage. He's like, <laughs> there's no parties back back anymore. It's not like Def Leppard getting fluffed under the stage during the guitar solo. Like It doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> What's the weirdest shit you've ever seen happen at a jazz gig? Oh, man. Early on, I mean, there's so many. The jazz guys are definitely (laughs) disastrous when it comes to this stuff. Well, that's why we want to hear about it. I love disasters. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. There's so many, but... Oh, God. uh, Siobhan is reminiscing. (laughs) But, uh, but, uh, because she's been around some of these crazy things. But one of the first real amazing thing was... I used to play with these guys that that were they're still like around the Miami scene, but they're like old timer guys that I really learned a lot back when I first started. And we start the first song of the gig, and the bass player and the piano player are really good friends. They're both amazing players, but crazy guys. And the bass player just puts the upright bass on the floor and just goes to the piano, and starts screaming at him, <gasps> screaming, and I'm just hearing all this. Like, and I, the pianist still playing amazing he's like has this guy here i'm still playing but like scared to death and uh and the saxophone is looking at me kind of playing at it then he grabs the bass and keeps playing again all f- because the piano player was like telling him the chords of the first song, like his version of the chords because of course that's the other thing in jazz it's like, like dude you go to the you d gotta over know they f change it. Right. not just the d the right. d over f it has to get the suspension feel or exactly. it doesn't fucking work man exactly like that <laughs> exactly like that and this guy on piano was amazing but he was also nuts and also so particular about that stuff well that's hilarious because that you're so yeah. serious about making a song work that you actually throw down your bass in front of a live crowd while you're playing <laughs> to then have a sidebar with your keyboard player about the way you're going to play music that's supposed to be free. Right. That's why it's what ridiculous. What was the name of the band? Yeah. Big Brother? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why it's so ridiculous. Jazz guys definitely take, and we do, I guess, take ourselves way too seriously. Sometimes. You don't say. Yeah. So it's like, Wait, can we hear another story? Because yeah. that was hilarious. I want to hear more. <laughs> yeah, well, this... You need to humanize jazz for me. Because Corey and I don't... We, we know rock guys. We know people that play in fusion bands, prog guys. The jazz people don't talk to us. They're off, <laughs> they're off somewhere else. The country people, like, throw us a bone and go, well, if you want to come to Nashville, you can make some money. You can take those rock shops and get better. But jazz people are, like, elitists. They're over right. there doing their thing. 
So I want to know, like, what are you guys talking about when we're over here playing Maiden? Well, this this same piano player, in this case, he was just the he was the guy that was upset at the bass player. The bass player was the one that did that whole thing. On another gig with with those same guys, we had a guest. Amazing. So this didn't deter you from doing another gig. Was there a conversation <laughs> after the gig about like, let's try not to melt down in front no. of people? No, because I was scared to death of those guys. So I was, <laughs> so I was like, I acted like nothing had happened. That's what drummers do. Yeah. David Abrazee said when yeah. he joined Guns N' Roses, the Axl Rose singled him out and said, "You laugh at all my jokes." And he goes, "I don't want to get fired." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So we had a guest guitar player that's amazing. He lives in in New York. He's one of the yeah best guys out there, and um, he. We were with that same piano player, but he brought two amps because that's the new thing with the with the jazz guys. I don't know if it's the same rock. Like even if it, in a no, tiny, it's backwards. Yeah, it's going, we went it's from going the other way. Two, two amps to like having a Kemper and no cab. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I used yeah. to bring two full stack amps, yep. and I yeah. and I would use a Digitech twenty one twenty into a Mesa, and then a VHT, and then have the full thing oh, and an ABY switch that wasn't grounded. That sounded like total horseshit. Yeah. And every yeah, yeah. every sound guy would just look at me like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now and now if I show up to a gig which I don't have any because nobody cares and it's a pandemic anyway but I didn't have any before that I, I have a rack mounted Kemper that yeah. can just yeah. go right into the board and then just give me a signal through the thing and then that's fine I don't even want to care my back hurts <laughs> yeah no it's it, if that's the case then it's completely the opposite because guys are now bringing two amps to a tiny cafe gig Oh, you guys are assholes. <laughs> because because of the stereo sound on the on oh, the on the, elect, on the elect on the jazz electric guitar. But this is like everybody now. But this is one of the first guys that was started to do that. This is back in like two thousand eight or seven or something. And on the first song, this piano player just walked off because <gasps> of that. Because he's like, wait, we're playing at this small gig. Ahead of time? Did you have a sound check? Did he see the amps before he walked? Yeah, on he stage? saw he saw them and he was annoyed. And and he's playing acoustic piano, so he was annoyed. And and on the first song, his first guitar solo, and of course was loud, was amazing, but loud, because this guy just plays like that. Yeah. And he just like he's like, no, you don't. You guys don't need me here. He just left on the first song. So I know this was my upbringing that's, when I first started playing gigs with Jet. That's and funny. I was like, man, this is crazy. You that's can handle nice. anything play now. With this guy? Well, Do you still play with this guy? No, he had a meltdown. I don't even want to oh, go. The, so, so this yeah. wasn't the meltdown. This wasn't the meltdown. No, we're going to have to dive yeah. deeper it's, uh, on the next next episode. We're coming up at the end of this hour. Can you just plug your website and, and how people can find you? And um, and then we'll, we'll we'll continue talking in the next hour. Sure. Yeah. Um, so my I only have an artist page on Facebook, I guess. Mm -hmm. And my website, which is uh, RodolfoZuniga.com. So that's pretty easy to find. Great. And um, I am in the process of uploading some some more stuff up there, especially like I've been recording through the pandemic a bunch of songs at home, basically. Nice. And uh, video and, and, and audio and a chart, more jazz stuff, complicated jazz stuff, sort of. Yeah. We'll be sure For to people link. people to we'll, download lessons Yeah, and stuff. we'll be sure yeah, to link, we'll send we'll link that all up. of that. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of us at 2020. We'd love to have you stick around if you're willing to talk to us more about the neurosis behind jazz. <laughs> and um, thank you so much. And, and I just want to tell you that it really, um, going and watching your videos, and I encourage everybody out there, go watch, go watch this man's videos. 
you really play effortlessly mm -hmm. and it's almost obnoxious because I, I played with my, with Paul in our band for so long who plays effortlessly as well. And you, you take people like you for granted because it doesn't look like to the mere plebeian mortal that you're <laughs> killing it. Cause when you watch Virgil <laughs> Donati or Mike Mangini, they're like hitting roto toms and things over here. So you can't ignore the forward way coordination. With you, you're like subtly doing these little <laughs> things. You're doing like the rabbit foot with the bottom here and there. Like, I gotta tell you, man, if I was as good as you, I'd show off a whole lot more. <laughs> <laughs> That's my only advice. Watch that guy, Zoltan, yeah. from who plays with uh, Vince, Vince Neil. Neil. Yeah, Vince. yeah, he like he puts his he puts his foot up mm -hmm. on, on 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 the drums. He hits the snare, uh, the, all the cymbals from underneath. You gotta be like that guy oh because my God. honestly, you're so fucking good that I just I could never. Were you were 16 saying I can't be that good? I'm 37 saying I can't be that good. I just want to see you play a whole show with that pianist just twirling a stick with one hand going, <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> and with that, you've been 2020. See you soon. Thank you. Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are the Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.